All right. Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome to our podcast. And this month's theme is Shut the Culture Up. Michelle, what? For real, shut the culture up. Guys, seriously, how long have companies been talking about culture and getting culture right? Right? Am I wrong here? It's time that we shut up and get serious. Yeah, but what does that mean? What does getting serious mean? I mean, everyone's got a culture issue. Do they? I don't know. Do they? Is anyone doing it right? I'm going to put this out on the table and it may completely, you guys may completely disagree with this. I don't know that I believe that a company has the ability to establish a top-down culture When you exceed a certain size, when you exceed the size of employee count where your top levels of leadership cannot interact with everyone else every day, I don't know that it's possible. I think that we've been trying to sell this pie in the sky idea that you could create some pretty words on a wall and then plaster them all over newsletters And be like, yay, here's our culture. And that's not the way the world works. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So on today's podcast, as Michelle's talking about, and we'll get into that, but we have a special guest today, Olivia. We will leave it at Olivia as our special guest. So she is here today to help us talk about how we shut the culture up in our darn organization. So Let's be real. So Olivia, what are your thoughts on what Michelle just said? I mean, from experience, she's exactly right, right? So like, what's the first thing when you go into an interview that they speak of? Any corporation, any big conglomerate, they're always talking about the culture. That's the selling point. But then once you start with that company, what usually happens? Right? You you join some team that operates sometimes in complete opposition to what you heard when you were interviewing. And I think that's where some of the disconnect comes, right? Unless you're on the right team that is aligned with the larger, you know, the bigger picture and are streamlined with those goals that are coming from top, you're going to be lost, right? That culture is not going to exist. And you see this in a lot of corporations and you see that in the, I mean, just from my experience in the retail world, in logistics. And even now with technology, it's just consistently the same. You have to have strong leadership and their buy-in for that culture to exist on those teams throughout the company. I don't know. I mean, do you, you're saying all leaders have to be strong? All leaders have to be bought in? I would say a majority, you've got to have a strong foundation for your message to be heard. Because then you have that that challenge of a subculture, right? You have something completely different than what you were actually as a new hire. I'm just thinking like when you first start, a totally different experience. And for me, what Olivia is saying, kind of Maria, what you said with you've got to have all strong leaders and what Maria said, what Olivia is saying with, yeah, you do if you want that culture. I think that's where the problem comes into play. And I think that's why organizations keep spinning their wheels because the truth is there is no way ever you are ever going to 
get above a certain size as an organization and all of your leaders be rock stars. It just is not going to happen. And even if you were rock stars, like this is a hard reality for me. During my career, I have worked for really bad leaders before and I learned a lot of lessons from them. So I am grateful they were in my lives. I've also worked for really good leaders and I've learned great things from them as well. And so I came into this role prepared to do everything right. Like I made mental notes of everything that I wanted to do to be different or to be better. And guess what? Someone left me or they left my team, not because I asked them to leave, not because of reorg, but because they finally said, hey, you know what? This doesn't work for me. I don't like it. And so as much as I would like to pretend that I am a great leader for this person, I was not a great leader. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's some disagreement here, you know, because that's what we do at Real Talent. We disagree with each other. Um, But uh, I don't think a whole entire company has to have its culture shit together. Let's be honest. All the leaders don't have to be perfect. Look at FedEx, for example. I think FedEx had a great culture overall, right? It had a great vision and some of the leaders and some of the pockets and some of the departments were really fantastic. But then you had a pocket, right, where the leaders weren't necessarily the most successful that we worked in, right? And that created instability and morale, but not necessarily the culture. I think, too, I mean, if we talk about consistency, right, and it's going to be impossible, right? Ideally, in a utopia world, you would have strong leaders leading every single team. And Maria, you got bring up a good point. But also, I think corporations try to sell this culture mentality and they don't allow it to organically happen. And that's frustrating to me. Like you're using this just to leverage yourself as a Fortune 500 company, as a great place to work. And you know what? when you're hiring somebody or you're talking very candidly, like I know that you like the wheels are turning. Oh, the culture is great. We really care about each other. But in the back of their mind, it's like, this is bullshit. Like just except unless you're applying here on this department. And then exactly. Unless I'm, I'm, I'm kissing somebody's butt. I could be performing to, you know, exceeding expectations. But if I'm not your best friend, that changes culture, right? It It changes what's valued too. So I think everybody can relate to that in some period in their life where they've had to deal with leadership that's A, not focused on those goals that would rather be, you know, best friends with their teammates or pick favorites or not focus on what the end goal is so that they could push the company further they're just focused on their own personal gain. And I think we all have examples of that. And I think that's where those pockets come in. And I think that's also detrimental to some of the growth, especially in an HR team. That's where that challenge is. Now, do you need great leaders across the board? No, but if you're working in human resources, you better have good leaders or you're going to start standing still and you're going to have inner fighting, which you're then you're not going to be able to support those teams that really need it. Mm-hmm, which we've seen. 
So that's sort of why I feel like there's, um, when we say culture, we've created this monster that is impossible. I almost feel like there's two things at play here. And so let's take an organization that is really well-respected. It is um, definitely something the cream of the crop want to want to go to work for in this industry, Google, right? So Google, um, if you just ask people about Google, they talk about you know, the modern offices. They talk about their work from home. They talk about how casual it is or it can be, right? So I feel like that's the first layer. But for me, what we're talking about is not really a culture. We're talking about marketing. And you can put a pretty name on it like an employee value proposition and say, here's how we sell to potential candidates. But what it really is, is it's a marketing spin that really large companies put on their business to say, oh, we are this, and these are the people that we want to attract because they would fit into this environment. So that's the this part. It's like, how do we attract the people that we want with our marketing? And then you have the real shit. And this is the real shit to Olivia's point. When you get on that team, now you see what the culture is really like. The culture is either inclusive, collaborative, focused on development because you have a great leader or maybe not. Maybe you do have an ego driven leader and everything's about them. And so it becomes this battle to see who can stay on top. That is the shit that you live every day. And that is how you're going to describe the company on Glassdoor. Not this pretty little image that got you to apply for the job. This is what's showing up on Glassdoor. Okay, bullshit, go. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting you mention Google because, you know, there's all these companies out there who strive on being the best of the best, right? And you're literally taking a look at Google, which, yes, on Glassdoor, as of today, in June 2020, they are a 4.4 and 2019's best places to work. 89. Hold on, hold on. This is why I like working with Maria because she literally, the second I said Google, she glass doored it to find out what they currently were at. Okay, back to you. (laughs) Yes, because I am a data analytics person and I'm going to look up numbers and do research and fact check, right? But you have places like Google that literally create, you know, this stigma of excitement. I call bullshit because the only people, the only reason people want to work at Google is because everybody uses them as a search engine and they have a fantastic culture of having different races because they offer all these opportunities for individuals to come in from all over the world to work for their organization. So people want to work with the best of the best. That's fantastic. However, they have sleeping pods, they have all these little things so that you never leave work and people want to leave work. So that's where I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah, it's it's interesting you said that because the first thing I thought when she said Google was Facebook, right? 
What's the one thing? Oh, you know, someone bring your dry cleaning up to you. You know, we have an open bar. We'll feed you 24-7 because you never leave. So you're telling me in a technology industry, you can't offer a more conducive working environment where there's more balance. That's not a culture. That's like, you know, I'm not even going to use the word, but they own you in a certain part, you know, like they get you with all these things that you think you need. And then you give a little bit of yourself away because of it. And that's not the way the environment within corporations need to be. It needs to be the opposite. And I think that's where we get lost to what's really important because you spend more time at work than you do with your own family. And it should be the other way around. If you think about it, we're only here for a short period of time. And I think it's interesting and I'm going with the whole bullshit attitude too, because with COVID now, all of these companies are okay with working remotely. Why wasn't this a thing before? Right. So the culture is about them, obviously overall profitability. You have to be profit to be you know, in business. We all get that, but you also have to be genuinely caring about the people that are working for you. And that just, oh, I'm going to feed you 24 seven. I'm going to give you an open bar, those sleeping pods. Hey, you're going to be here no matter what, why, for what? So I can build a emoji app for everybody to create their own emoji on Facebook. I think we lose focus what's important, what people find important. And they're catering to the younger generation, but eventually they're going to be older, right? You can't just keep hiring younger. You still have to have that diversity. So understanding what the needs are of those people that you want to attract or keep on board for the long term. And I think that's another reason why you see so many people leaving companies and jumping back and forth too, because they get over that bullshit and they're looking for something better. Okay. So I actually like that you guys disagree with me because we all know that I like a good argument, but ultimately I feel like you guys proved my point, which is culture is impossible. It's impossible for one group of leaders to dictate how an organization is going to behave top down. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, when you Google or whatever you want to do in any search engine of your choice uh, and you talk and you look through definitions of culture, it talks about customary beliefs, social forms, set of shared attitudes, shared values, shared goals, shared practices. Did you look this up right now? That characterizes an institution and organization. Yes, of course. I'm going to look it up to make sure our audience is fact-checked, aware of the definition of culture. Olivia, she looked up the definition of culture. She would. Which I think is important, right? Because you can't say culture is bullshit and not know what it means. <laughs> that's, but hey, that's what makes this conversation valuable. It means we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying we have social norms, we have characteristics that define our organization, what are those? What are those shared values that everybody in the organization gives a damn about? And how do you create and instill that, right? But you're sitting here saying, Michelle, Google, Amazon, Facebook. I did not say Amazon. 
but we know that that is my favorite way to shop. But it is not the best way to treat your workers because Amazon treats their workers like a sweatshop. They do. And now I feel really guilty about all my Amazon purchases. Thank you. You're welcome. Olivia, how do you feel about your Amazon purchases? You know what? I don't really buy from Amazon, so I can see it. Shut yes. the front door. I shop at Target. Good for you. They have two-day shipping, too. And I don't have to buy a Prime membership. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I don't even like you guys anymore. <laughs> we can't even be friends. <laughs> but that's a but you know what? Let's talk about Amazon a little bit because I think I think you you know that's another big huge company that has grown substantially what in the last 15, 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about Amazon and how much revenue they are bringing in. Why can't they treat their people better? Like, what is it? When you look at Jeff Bezos' salary, like what he's, his take-home pay, right? His net value. You're thinking to yourself, like, I think when I think culture, like if I'm looking at top leadership and they're not giving back to their people and they're more concerned about themselves, why would I even want to work there? But the norms are pretty norm all across Amazon. They might be sucky norms, but it's pretty consistent. You're saying at least they have consistency, even though the culture may suck. So what are they doing? They must be doing something right. They're consistent. Like, how do you consistently... But I don't don't even think... I actually don't think that you even find that consistency within Amazon. I actually know two people that work for Amazon, and they're team units, they feel like are really strong. So I think it goes back to what Olivia opened this up with is that you've got to have strong leaders. If you're going to have a cascading of norms, a cascading of values that we all believe in as an organization, you've got to find some way to get all of your leaders aligned to a message. Yeah, it's interesting because like Amazon, you know, they have pockets of things they do well, right? Like I enjoy Jeff Bezos when he literally hates to have meetings to have meetings or any length of meetings, right? So he talks about his philosophy around having everybody have a pre-read that they read before the meeting so that they can just come up with decisions and not talk about the problems, right? And so some of those things I'm like, fantastic, genius, great. But I'd really like to see, you know, from a cultural standpoint, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, right? It's consistent. But maybe the individuals there don't love it. But there are people that bleed Amazon's culture of day one philosophy, which every day in Amazon is day one. And you speak to any team member there or employee, whatever they call them, and that's the philosophy they go by is every day is day one. However, when you're going through the recruiting process with Amazon, trust me, I have, they literally instill in your interview and recruiting process and reiterate each time how demanding the job is and that you need to be prepared for that. So I think if people are in there and they don't like the culture, they didn't listen in the interview process. And I think you bring up a good point because I think that. That's the thing. They're not selling you a bill of goods, right? They're not selling you the sizzle without the steak. 
And when you look at these bigger corporations, a lot of them are doing that. And I think they, they are honing in or really just not honing, not not the right word, but really banking that that culture is going to sell you to come over to them. And then it's a completely different atmosphere. So I think transparency is important. And I think that's important keeping people consistently, you know, working for your, your uh, organization. So is it possible to establish culture? Like if you look at people that do it well, it tends to be really big companies that maybe have a lot of money to put into that initiative or that effort. Or it tends to be, um, Olivia, like the company that you work for now, where they're a little bit smaller, they're growing um, and getting bigger every single day, but they're being very purposeful about the people they bring on board so they can make sure everyone they bring on board is aligned. So that covers those two spectrums, like really large, really small. But what about those people in the middle? How do you maintain some element of what your norms are when you're not rolling in cash and you're not small enough where the CEO can talk to every single person? Yeah, I think it's a hard balance, right? You have the large corporations that, you know, have extreme pockets where they do it well and they invest in their talent. And I'll be the first to tell you. And it's funny because I worked in training and development. And so I'm super passionate. However, when people talk about downsizing, the first department that goes is training and development. And I totally get it, right? Why it goes because it's not quote unquote a revenue generator. I get it. But it also helps influence the culture because then there's behaviors and things that need to be instilled and trained and developed. So I think large companies, large organizations do that. I think small mom and pop businesses do it well because they're just starting. They're super amped up. They have a small team engaged in it. It's when a company falls in that middle area when they literally get a little bit too big to understand, like they grew too quickly or, um, you know, they grew into a size and they never, yes, and they never, <laughs> they never realize, right? We all worked for these types of companies where you're in the middle area here and you realize like, oh crap, like we grew at some point in life and we didn't instill the proper behaviors or pieces in place to help support how we once were when we first opened or how larger organizations and corporations are that have enough money to throw at it. So they're in this kind of like middle, like tap dance they're trying to do with themselves. And I really don't know how to help middle companies get out of that. Just kidding. I do. And we're going to talk through that on our next episode. But I think that's really what, you know, our, our priority is and our focus. Like, how do we just shut people up from talking about culture and just do it? Like Nike, just do it. But I think you're right. I think a lot of it, you know, we fall into this lip service and the sell. And you know what? Actions are louder than words. And unless you're actually feeling it and your teams are feeling it, I mean, that's how you keep people involved and wanting to continue to work for you. And we know how much it costs to hire new people consistently. It's so expensive. So why would you want to tarnish that? and sell them something that's not really happening within your organization. So I think there's a lot of self um, reflection that needs to happen 
with these companies so that they can retain the right people and that top talent. I mean, you guys being on the teams that we've been on, how many people we've gone through, like how many people have left the organization or are miserable and they're not giving 110% because they feel like even if they did, they're not best friends with their leadership. And that's so disheartening because so much stuff could happen differently. And there's so much momentum that gets lost because of people becoming so jaded due to that, you know, selling the the sizzle versus, you know, with the steak, you know what I mean? So... For sure. I know you, I think the great news is um, that's what you guys are going to see over the next couple of podcasts is we're going to give you some tips that you can truly put to work right away to assess where you are um, and assess what you need to do to get to where you want to be. Um, But the reality is it means you're going to have to be honest with yourself. And some of it might be ugly. It might be ugly about you. It might be ugly about people that you hired. Um, And it might be ugly about your company, but the reality is you've got to look at where you are today if you're ever going to build your path to get to the place that you want. Um, I remember um, leading some conferences on culture in particular. And one of the things that the participant participant said um, in this conference was, you really have two choices as an organization. You can either try to play an active role in defining what the culture of your company is, or you can let the loudest person on your team decide what that culture is. So here's what I promise you guys. There is a culture in your business. And if you ask your employees they will describe it in crystal clear pictures. The question becomes, did you as a leadership team influence what that description is? Or did you let everyone else decide what that culture was going to be? And so if you want to stick with us and learn more about how you play an active role in defining your culture, I tell you, you got to follow up. You got to tune in and see what happens next. Until next time, everyone. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye.